Hey everybody, Rich here with Dynasty Nerds to tell you about our sponsor for today, DynastyLearner.com. They We filled up their beta group. You guys crushed it. Everybody loves the idea. Everybody keeps getting on there and checking them out and signing up because they love it so much. And they got all the free you know, lifetime subscription, but there's still time for you guys to help them out and still get a lifetime discount on DynastyLearner.com. You can still get that discount by signing up now for this season and help them test out their new beta system for DynastyOwner.com. And you can check out their Indiegogo campaign. You know, that's their crowdfunding site that helps you get some really cool merch by helping them out as well. I mean, for 100 bucks, you get a free team for five years, which is like worth 500 bucks. And then all the next levels up are even more cooler gear. You know, for 250 bucks, you get a hat and a shirt and the uh, lifetime subscription. At 500 bucks, you get a team for life, a hat, a t shirt, a Dynasty Owner Etch Yeti. Thousand bucks, you get the two Monday night tickets on top of that. At a thousand, five thousand bucks, you get the week in Mexico with eight other couples. And that's a lot of cool things going on there at dynastyowner.com, which is a site that lets you generally pick your, you know, it's not like an auction league where you actually sign players to salaries. And it's their actual NFL salaries. It's based on that structure. Make sure you check out dynastyowner.com today. Make sure you check out their podcast or YouTube channel. DynastyOwner.com, a new way to play Dynasty Fantasy Football, a fun way to play Dynasty Fantasy Football, innovative. And what do we do at Dynasty? We like innovative products. Make sure you check out their innovative product, DynastyOwner.com. We have a new soundboard for today, uh, so the show might sound a little different. Let us know. Give us some feedback. But on with Dynasty Nerds. Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Oh, hey, hey. And uh, Garrett Price. How's it going? I don't know. We're going to see how it sounds. We got a new soundboard. Uh, finally, it's been sitting here for a couple of weeks. We haven't set it up because I was scared of the new technology. But, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yes. 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 We can, uh, we can uh, have some sound clips coming in this thing now. We can do phone interviews. We can play video clips. We could have hot keys when I bust out my crystal balls. We can have all kinds of magic things happen oh, around wow. here. Magic, magic. Yeah, this podcast got an upgrade. All thanks to the nerd herd. See, this goes to, it all goes to a good cause. It sure does. Um, so we're back here. Uh, if it sounds a little different, just let us know via Twitter or something on those lines because we have a new soundboard. So hopefully the same mics still sound the same. I probably still sound terrible, but maybe get like insert a G in here Ooh. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hot key with a G. I like it. <laughs> now for the rankings. And it says rankings. Giz. Is that how you're supposed to say rankings? Rankings. That just sounds stupid to me. <laughs> you guys have been saying it wrong the whole time. The whole time. If you're not a Nerd Herd member, please uh, please do so. There's so many fabulous things out there. We're going to be break it, talking about some players to sell high on. Now, you don't want to miss that, right? You know, Josh Gordon never misses that episode. No. Never. And I've said that joke a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it until the next guy pops up. Uh, but today we're going to talk about basic, you know, now we enter here the middle of summer, and we got about a month till training camp, and people start tearing ACLs. We're going to, you know, we have some evergreen episodes we could do. And one we always do is just basically basic dynasty structure and startup strategy, which is pretty simple, but 
it's a good conversation to have because not everybody's been playing Dynasty for five years. We have a lot of new people that do listen to the show, and they want to know how we go about it. So today we're going to talk about Superflex, which we've never talked about mm. uh, in Dynasty Startup Strategy, and regular PPR. Now first, let's just talk about um, Dynasty Setup for the League, for example. Now the best way that we always do it, now again, we've been playing for 16 years, Matt, Dynasty fans. Uh, yeah, I think so. Garrett, how long have you been playing Dynasty? Uh, going on either seventh or eighth year. Look at you! You're you're a veteran too out there. A little bit. You know I'm, a I'm in my veterans. prime. Yeah, you look good. You look like you're in your prime too, which is good. Me, way past it. My wife, uh, she got that face app today. Uh, oh, did you see it? Have you I, used it? I haven't used it yet, but I saw like the NFL players and stuff. It was it was pretty impressive. Oh, I'll show you guys me later. In, inform me because I'm apparently uh, living. You're never on Twitter. I'll I live you, under. I'll a show rock. you on the break. Uh, okay. I actually, did a picture of you. I'm like, God damn, Matt looks handsome, even old. This is ridiculous. Damn me, it, Matt. I know how I'm now gonna look when I'm 90, and I look just as terrible as I do now. So it's good. You got you guys are in for a treat. You know that one picture I have when I grew the mustache? Oh yeah. I have me as a 90-year-old with a mustache. Oh. You're, you're going to love it. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, yeah. I can't grow facial hair, no. but I can grow a mustache, and I did once over <sighs> winter break, and boy, oh boy, do I look like Pervy McGurvy. My kids even commented on that, like for weeks after it. <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> like, is this safe to go over Rich's house? <laughs> Seriously, man. I don't what? know. You might be a little too touchy-feely for me walking around with that mustache. Ugh. So, do you wear a trench coat? Like drive around a van with free candy or and something like that. Just a trench coat, nothing <laughs> just else. Just a trench coat. No, I don't. It's, it doesn't say free candy. It says free Chipotle. It works better. Ah, yeah. It's like get oh, the free Chipotle, and then you wear up another, and it's like there's tinfoil, but it's there's nothing else. It's a very, that's a small burrito. <laughs> like sorry, <laughs> only going with God gave me here. Sorry, people. <laughs> that's magical. <laughs> so let's talk about basic dynasty structure. Now, what we've learned over the years is what we feel like is really good dynasty structure. So we're going to basically tell you right now how to set up your dynasty leagues. And this is the only way you should do it. <laughs> no other options. No now, the other fun, options. I think the funnest part about dynasty is like there's so definitely if you play an MFL, there's so many variances that you can do. You know, like the Scott Fishbowl this year with, you know, five yard boat point bonuses with every 50 yards or first downs or a point and half point receptions and tight end premiums. There's so many different variances you could do. The new thing in the hot thing, which I love is super flex tight end premium. Love it. Yeah. I'm a big fan also. Oh yeah. I mean, before quarterbacks and tight ends were devalued so much that now it makes everything just a little bit, a little bit more equal. And if you don't know what super flex tight end premium is, cause somebody might not know, you know, it's when you can start two quarterbacks in the flex spot. You can, now, obviously, you can start anybody in the flex spot. And mm. I think one of the biggest misnomers is you got to have two QBs, like two good QBs. I think with a tight end premium there that you can, you can sneak in there and get a really good tight end. If you had Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, for example, like I feel like Zach Ertz is out going to outscore Andy Dalton. You know, something along those lines. Well, yeah, I'm most likely. So... You know, in tight end premium, the tight end is going to get one and a half points per reception. At least. At least. Depending on your your scoring. And it, Yeah, exactly. So sometimes they'll even do it where if it's a one-point PPR, the tight end gets two points per reception. So it really does give equal value to all players. So now when your rookie draft rolls around, it's like, okay, the 1-1, one, one, you know, maybe it is Saquon Barkley. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield. 
Or perhaps Patrick Mahomes. Or maybe Patrick Mahomes. You never well, know. That's Dynasty Startup. Yeah, like during, I was talking about a rookie draft, but yeah, oh, okay. I, I did say Startup, right? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so for me, I'd have no problem with Pat Mahomes going 1-1 in a Dynasty Startup. Superflex. Mm-hmm. But let's hold off on that for a minute because we're going to get this Superflex Dynasty strategy here in a minute. So structure-wise, you know, we like to go with 30-man rosters. I think... That can be a little bit much for a lot of people because 30-man rosters with no kickers, no defenses, that's a lot of people. And I feel like we kind of grew into that as well. I mean, as when we when we started as a as a young dynasty group, I, th- I think it was like 20 or 25 maybe at the most. Definitely and, and, we had to, and we had to keep track of our taxi squad on like a separate type of spreadsheet basically. So, I mean, that was... I mean, that was just all we could do back then. We had taxi squads far, far before... Uh, my fantasy league came along. We, we actually called them practice squads at the time sure. because that's what the NFL had was practice squads. So we feel 30-man rosters. If you go 25, is it's fine as well. But I would never go under 25. And let me tell you why you should go over 25. Dynasty should be based on drafting and trading. You know, that's what's going to really keep a league going and not fizzle out, not having anybody get lucky on the waiver wire. The waiver wire should be so thin, we should call it Kate Moss. You should be able to like just occasionally find a couple players on there that you can get on there, but I mean they should be true gems and true deep hard stashes, finds. deep stashes, right? Because after a couple of years, we also have taxi squads. So not only do you have a thirty man roster or twenty five man roster, you have an unlimited taxi squad. And when I say unlimited, there's a lot of leagues I join that aren't dynasty nerds leagues that have like eight man taxi squads, ten, you know, something along those lines, and I hate that. I hate it with a passion because I couldn't, I couldn't survive like that. You should see, I mean, I almost have a second team down there. I mean, I think I have like 22 or 23 people on my taxi squad for the last two years in my one league. I think it's counterintuitive for what you want to do for dynasty because that, I think that demotes trading because now you're like, well, why would I trade for more draft picks? I don't even have, I don't have room for these draft picks. You should be able to have as many guys on your taxi squad that you have draft picks. So if you trade for 12 draft picks in a year, like you blow up your team, right? That's a, that's a common strategy in Dynasty. Hey, I'm going to blow this thing up. I'm going to get as many draft kit picks as I can. If you have a six-round rookie draft and you get three different teams, you know, all their picks, that's 18 players in one draft that you're going to get. Now, you shouldn't limit somebody on that for making trades just because of the taxi squad. No, you should be able, be able to put those players on a taxi squad. Right. I mean, the limitation comes when you have to fit them all onto your roster. I mean, that's where, you know, that's where the big decisions come in. You shouldn't limit, you shouldn't limit the taxi squad. I, I totally agree. Garrett, what are your thoughts on do you, that? How long do you guys do yours? Is it one year, two years, three years? How long are they allowed to sit on your taxi squad? That seems to be that seems to be the most common that I've seen is two years as well. But, but there have been quite a few where it's rookies only, only rookies on your taxi squad. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, even even right now, the league I just hopped in with you, that's basically what I'm doing. You know, I'm trying to get a bunch of draft picks and, you know, and I probably should check the taxi squad and see how that works because that could get me in trouble depending on how many picks I get. But I, I completely agree. I was very adamant about changing their taxi squad rules. I is it, complained to Tyler quite often, like quite adamantly. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw that there, like some teams had like 12 and 15 guys in their taxi squad. So I'd assumed that it was unlimited. It but. started with like eight and I was like, dude, this is unacceptable. I'm sorry. I'll put my foot down here. It's a podcast. Right. Like, Matt, you're not involved. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not, in, I'm not in this podcast. So taxi squad is for play, rookies that you draft. Now, the reason I like to do it for two years in that, well, I say we like to do it for two years is that, you know, a lot of players take time to develop quarterbacks, some receivers, 
and tight ends especially. So you want to have a place for these guys where if you draft five tight ends, they're not just clogging up your roster while you wait for them to develop. That's just not... Well, do, I mean, do you remember what we did with quarterbacks for a little bit? We dabbled with the three-year rule for our quarterbacks. I mean, I think that was before the NFL changed to where the point where the money is different now. And, you know, they the even the NFL teams kind of roll through these guys a little bit quicker. But there was a time when these guys were getting second, third chances because they just had so much money tied up in these guys that we decided, hey, let, let's expand – you know, the taxi squad rules to allow these quarterbacks only to go, to go three years, which we changed back because it got too hard to keep track. It did. Yeah. Two years was easy. Yeah, it just was. So it's a good place for your rookies to develop and every league should have it. And I honestly think it should be unlimited again for the purposes of just trading and rebuilding. You want to have a play place to roster those players, not going against your regular roster. And then after two years, this is where, the free agency period starts to get a little bit more plentiful and bountiful where you have to make a decision. Hey, do I put this guy on my roster or do I cut him into free agency? And to put him up, you have to cut somebody off your roster to do so. So sometimes if you draft really well, this this can be a tough decision. Definitely when you have a tight end who's entering his third year and maybe he hasn't done anything. Like, for example, like what if Mike Kosicki doesn't really do anything this year? Say he puts up like 350 yards and he gets hurt. Maybe something along those lines. He just gets hurt. And he didn't look spectacular. And you have a decent roster on your hands. Well. You got to make a decision. You got to make a decision. Is he coming up or is he going down? Some players are easy to decide. Some players are not. Now, for the actual roster size itself, this, it goes right back to the same reason why you want to have a larger roster of 25 men is because, again, you want to promote trade-in and you want to promote the draft. And that's how you want to build your teams because then – it's on you. It's on the owner. It's on how much time you put into your team and how much research you do, how many podcasts you listen to, who do you follow on Twitter. And the time you put in really shows on your roster. And that's what Dynasty is all about. Like, who's willing to put in the work long-term to build a long-term successful roster? And you, nobody should be – this isn't redraft. You should be able to just pluck people off the waiver wire to do so. So the more time you get, the better the roster can, can be. And the less amount of teams you have – the more bigger free agency is going to be, and that's no fun. And the more you interact with your league mates, the more you talk. That's why I like promoting like to have like you know Slack or GroupMe or some kind of like communication app just so you guys can communicate. And there's that open line to people to promote trade in because when you get that camaraderie with everybody and you're talking to people and you get to know people over a couple of years, it's going to be a lot harder for you or anybody just to leave that league. And you know you don't like oh dude I you know I like these dudes I like this league. I'm just gonna, I'm not, where if there's no communication, it's like, oh, bye, Felicia. Yeah, you have yeah. no real attachment to it. I mean, other than your players, uh, if you do get those kind of attachments. But yeah, like you said, it, you do need to have some sort of com- camaraderie. Like, sorry, I couldn't say that word. Camaraderie? Camaraderie. Oh, you can't speak now? <laughs> no, Look I can't this. speak. It's the contagious. Tables have turned. <laughs> it's contagious. It's this new soundboard. <laughs> so, and that's nothing's worse than a dynasty league just folding after two, three years. I mean, I've been lucky that I haven't had any fold on me. I think we had a writer's league that folded after like a year and a half or two with all, and it, mostly because some of the writers stopped writing for us. This was like th- four years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I've been lucky enough where like all my leagues are still going. That's why I'm in 16 dynasty. Yes. Yeah, you, you, you're almost praying for a couple of fold. I bet you at this point. And, uh, and guess what? In the nerd episode, cause you forget forgetting, I'm going to be talking about how to join, uh, Another, new, one. another one. Another. I'm doing a new startup. Another one. It's gonna be me versus eleven of you. So, 
the only way to be there in that is to join the nerd herd. That's it. So even if you just joined for this month and you just, you drop down that cup of coffee on me, uh, extra black. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Just extra black, but that, that, I don't even trying to tell a joke. I'm talking about coffee here, man. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one. So for me, uh, you could be in that league with me. Uh, but I'd be on the Nerd Herd episode. So for like structure and dynasty structure, does, is there anything else that we're missing here? 25-man rosters, taxi 20, squads. 25 to 30, yeah. No kickers, no defenses. It's kind of like the way where yep. everybody's going these days. I wish we could get rid of them in our one home league. But I, we, we've tried every single year, and it gets voted down. I bring it up for vote every year. And those old school bastards will not let them die. They won't give up the kicker and the defense. No, it's like it's I can get that, the defense, but the kicker. Ugh. Oh, it's so. And I won a championship once over a kicker. Like a, a kicker got a, the extra point blocked, and I won a championship because of it. It was Dang. one of the greatest championships. I've and ever you still won. want to get rid of them because they're so pointless. They are pointless. Yeah. Sometimes they are literally pointless. They don't get any kicks. <laughs> they just don't like, what the shit bombs is that all about? Uh, am I missing anything here in dynasty structure about how we run our leagues? Mostly, and if you don't have kickers defense, you always have the flex spot. Obviously, you go two flex spots if you want. Some people, some people do like to do that too. They're like, well, you know, they come to me like, well, can I only do the one flex spot? If it's not even, unless it's super flex tight end premium, then I'll have two flex spots, one super flex. Like, when we add another flex spot, I'm like, no. Then, then it just makes it to me. Then. Now you're really starting to thin out that whole big roster as it is. And now you're starting to get some scrubs in there. You might as well have a kicker. You know, I like to have a nice, solid core players. And there's a nice, deep bench, personally. I have seen one startup that I thought was kind of unique. They just did quarterback. It was a super flex as well. Quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end. And then it allowed for three flex spots. So if you're stronger at running back, you could have more running backs in there, wide receiver, more wide receivers in there. I thought that was unique since the NFL runs a lot of different formats as well. You could run your team with different formats. It was a unique idea. So I've seen those. I don't like those either. You don't like them? No, it just makes it easier. I'm not trying to make anything easier. I want it to be, I want it to be hard. Again, I want it when you win this thing, like there's nothing, like when you win a redraft league, like you feel pretty good about it, but there's some, there's some luck involved in redraft, right? Sure. If you're four years in, five years into a dynasty league, that's you, man. That oh, is for all. sure. I'm, there's a lot of things I've accomplished in life. But winning my 16-year-old Dynasty League is one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. Like, I'm literally, like, watching that last game. Like, the Browns are in the Super Bowl. That's how good it feels. Like, because it's on you. You did that. You built that. You made those trades. You drafted those players. That's right. all you. The, the one thing that is kind of unique and cool about that is it really does promote, like, the, the league that you were talking about, Garrett, it, it promotes best player available. I mean, it's something that yeah. we always talk about. But on the flip side of that, it almost it almost takes away some trade you know opportunities because it, yeah, you don't need a position if you much. only need, yeah if you only need one running back and you could just load up on on best player available basically everywhere else. It, you have no incentive to go out there and, and make a trade and try to fill that second running back slot that you would in like a normal league that we're talking about. You don't have holes. Right. It's, again, you're just drafting best player available. Again, it just makes it easier that time. I, like I I'm agree. in a league it does. in uh, John Bosch's uh, uh, celebrity eliminators. And I mean, this year he's doing it where it's 17 teams per league. So it does help, but you start eight people and you can, it's zero to eight. Like you start just your eight players. Just anybody you want. top eight players. Doesn't matter what position, yeah. but again, it's 17 Seven, teams. Right. 17 teams. So stuff it, gets watered it, it's down. Super flex. Yeah. Tight end premium, but you can start eight players. That's it. So you're literally in this draft, just drafting the best player available. So let's talk about startup strategy. And 
We're actually going to do a mock draft when our mock draft tool is done here. Hopefully it's done maybe next week. Someday. We'll see. I said it was, I said it was done a month ago. <laughs> but that was also like the last nerd standing. I'm like, oh, dude, last – or uh, the, the nerd herd episode, like the nerd herd was going to drop or last nerd standing was going to drop. I'm like, this is going to be done like next week. Six months later. Mm-hmm. But I think that I do think the mock draft tool is close. I do. But I said that two weeks ago. Fingers crossed. You cross those fingers over there. <laughs> so Dino, now we now here's where we differ, right? We don't really know Garrett's like true startup strategy here, so we're gonna get into this a little bit as well. Let's just start with a regular PPR league. Mm-hmm. Now Matt said earlier that he's okay with taking running backs in the first round. Like he's okay with taking Alvin Kamara, he's okay with taking Zeke. So, I was gonna say it depends on the running back, of course. Well, you mentioned you said and, and Zeke might almost even be transitioning out of that for me by now. Oh, he's transitioning. Okay, yeah. All right. I mean, he. I mean, he's breaking getting, news. Yeah. Breaking news. There's he's already a, get... there's already a Missy Elliott. <laughs> Jesus, we don't need another one. All right, <laughs> all right. So, so Miss Elliott might be out, and he, so Saquon Kamara, uh, um, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Now, yeah. now, I agree. Those guys are tempting. Like They're very, very tempting because they are just so damn good. And I love them. Now, I love them by getting them in the rookie draft. That's how I, that's how, like, I like to get them. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, you always you said this. Like, why? What's, your, like, your number one reason? Is it just because they score a lot of fantasy points? Is yeah, that the number the, one reason? Difference makers, man. You're looking for difference makers that early. In the, and, and, yes, their window might be smaller, but, I mean, you – you could just as easily draft Odell Beckham and he could blow out his ACL or his patella tendon or, or some other crazy thing. And he could be done in two years. So, I mean, yes, most likely, you know, a a wide receiver is going to have a longer career than a running back, but nothing's guaranteed. Correct. And they offer the biggest leap from their competitors. You know, the biggest advantage over the other running backs is what you're getting out of those guys. And, that, and that's why I, they're difference makers. And you need two or three difference makers to win a championship. Agree. Garrett, what do you feel about taking running backs in the first? I typically am very uh, anti-risk in the early round. So I am in the first two to three rounds, typically, I'm, I'm trying to play as safe as possible. Now, I take tons of chances later on in the draft. I'll go stupid upside. Um, but early on, I'm I, so that – tends to have me take receivers a little bit more often, um, but it's still best player available. But but I tend to take a few more wide receivers in most drafts early in the first couple rounds or so than I do a lot of running backs. Yeah, I have a hard rule where uh, my first three picks, they will not be over the age of 28. Like, in mm-hmm. pot, like there's just no way they'll be over the age of 28. Even 28 to me is pushing it. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, and that probably drops for, you know, a couple of years for running backs as well. I, for me. You know what I mean? Like oh, that, yeah, running back. It's like 26. 26, 25, 26. I won't go. And, I, and I've said this on the pod before, but I'm just going to reiterate it, where you know, the reason I don't take running backs early is because there's value to be had later with the older running backs because, again, they do drop because of age. And it's the one position that you can literally plug and play going forward in the draft for every year afterwards yeah. where everything else you're building. So, like, not only do I want to come up this draft as a competitor to win right away and just have a dominant team, but I want to have a dominant team for the long term. And, like, I agree with you. Where the running back, they are. They're difference makers. But so are the difference makers at receiver. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. Those guys, the difference between them, between them and wide receiver 12 
There's a, there's a big difference there as well. Now, not as much as Alvin Kamara in his running back 12, but there's still a big difference there. And those guys are still extremely hard to get because it, it, you don't really see often people trading those young stud running backs for a young stud receiver because nobody ever wants to give up those young stud receivers because, again, the longevity. So the way I look at it is like, hey, I can get running back later in this draft for sure. I can get rookies later in this draft for sure. I know for sure I can get guys like if we just start up this year, I can get Justice Hill really later, who has some mm-hmm. upside at running back. I know for sure I can get Mark Ingram really late in a draft and plug and play him right away and wait to this 2020 class. Now that's not for me saying that I'm just gonna take old running backs. I like the I also don't pigeonhole myself and say, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take three receivers, then I'm gonna take a tight end, then I'm take a quarterback. I do let the draft come to me. And if the right running back is there, I will take him but more so in the second round. I personally will never, ever take a running back in the first round. Never. Even if my rankings say, now Saquon Barkley might I'm gonna say, be. If you have the 1-1, one, one, is if that I have, true? If I have the 1-1 one, one, for the first time ever in my life, it's different because now I'd be okay with taking Saquon because he's 21 years old. He's super young. So I have, and he's, he now again, he's, he's a generational talent too. So sure. for me, it's like, okay, I got seven years of Saquon, you know, when he's 28, he's still gonna be a quality running back. That's a big difference. Alvin Kamara is close to that as well, but Alvin Kamara is a really good running back and a really good scheme and a really good system. So to me, I think Saquon Barkley, even on the Giants last year, he'll be good no matter where he goes. Not saying Kamara wouldn't be, but Saquon would be good hundred percent, no matter where he goes. Right. He was taken number two overall in the draft. Kamara, they got he got traded up for in the second round. So that's a little bit different there. Even Zeke. Zeke would be good anywhere he, mm-hmm. he wants to be. But some of those, like you mentioned, Zeke's almost on his way out for you. There's too much concern there. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, he's not a true in-between tackles running back. He's a specialty running back, mostly in a pass-catching game. There. Eh, we'll see. He can run. But I, I'm not pigeonholed. He's, right. he's still elite. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how long... Those, that window lasts long, too, but like how long that window is, too. There's somewhat of a question mark there, right? Um, so to me, I'm easily in the first round of a regular PPR league if I don't have the 1-1 and I'm taking uh, DeAndre Hopkins at 2. I'm taking Devontae Adams at 3. I'm taking Odell Beckham at 4. Even Odell Beckham's a little bit worrisome because I saw a stat today where he's missed like 28 games so far. Been really injury-plagued. And they could name all the other wide receiver ones, and he missed more than games than them combined. But then I'm taking Michael Thomas. You know, Then I'm taking Juju Smith-Schuster. Mike Evans. You know, Then I'm taking Mike Evans. You know, that, I'm going down that line. And if it got, and I know there will be those receivers even late in the draft because everybody else will take those running backs. People will take all four of those nice stud running backs. So there's at least seven receivers that I can get at the end of the back round. So I'm always taking that receiver because I want to have that young guy that I can put on my roster. And I think that's what you should do in a dynasty league. You should come away with a guy that you plan to be on your team for the next six years at least and be the face of your franchise. Go into the second round. Now it's different. Now when we do this dynasty startup draft, uh, mock draft. We'll actually see how we go we play this out. We could probably do the running back strategy and the receiver strategy and see what time team you like first. But I think you would like your team better with the receiver first because I think you will still get quality running backs late. I mean, even a guy like Todd Gurley, he's going late second round in startup drafts. I mean, you wouldn't love coming away with, you know, number two overall, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, and then come back with Todd Gurley. I mean, I think that's a, a little bit of a unique situation. I don't think that would necessarily carry over year to year. You know what I mean? Like a guy like 
be more like Dalvin Cook would probably be more consistent. C- correct. I mean, that's Todd Gurley's a, an absolute monster stud, but he has just got this very unique situation that's going on where there's so much uncertainty that he's slipping. I mean, even if some of that uncertainty clears up this time, you know, you know six months from now or whatever, like he'll he'll be boosted right back up. So I wouldn't be worried about that either because I'm going second. I'm going. I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver second receiver. round too. And then when like even if I had any, like in a third round of Mike Williams there, I'm going Mike Williams. Um, what do you think about tight ends? Like, what are you guys looking at? We said we mentioned the draft. Let the draft come to you. Is there a tight end that you would take? Would you take George Kittle in the second round of a dynasty startup draft? Back end, we'll say it's a bad. Say you had one two, and one one goes to Quan Barkley. Matt, would you take a running back there at one two if Barkley went one, or would you take DeAndre Hopkins or another receiver? Yeah, I would. I would take. An, I would take another wide receiver there. I mean, it's not like I have my top three guys as running backs. I would just. I would dabble with those guys in the yeah. first round at different points, and 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 but yeah, it would it would definitely be a wide receiver after Saquon Barkley. And to answer your to answer your question, I he he falls into that category again, George Kittle, that is of a of a dis, of a difference maker and a guy that's going to score so many more points than the next best tight end that I think it's justified to take him that early. I, I would have a hard time maybe doing it and pulling the trigger, seeing who else was there on the board. Which definitely depends on the situation here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it seems a it seems a hair early for me. Um but I'm so uh, and maybe almost to a fault. I am so best player available. If I went first four rounds wide receiver or first four rounds running backs or first four rounds whatever, like I'm legitimately just taking the best player available. That's it. And so if if on my board at that point, it was George Kittle. I'd have no problem doing it, um, but but I'm I'm that steadfast in that. See, there's two. It's too broad for me. Like because again, you're talking about tiers here. When you do overall rankings, you just don't get in the list because it is tiers. You know, right. and it depends how you draft. Because if you did take three receivers and you come back and you have say Sony Michelle at 42, and then you have Mike Williams at 47. Just for or mm-hmm. you know, say you have Dalvin Cook at 40, even though he's much higher at 42, and you have Mike Williams at 47, and you went you know running back, running back, and then Mike Williams is there. You're not going to go Dalvin Cook again potentially when you can get a guy like Mike Williams and then have three running backs on your roster. Maybe you will. But I mean, I wouldn't. I, I do so much to the point because I'm looking at I'm looking at value. And if I have a stupid, like if I walk out of the draft with no tight end, I can live with that because I'll trade somebody that was in that tier and get a better player for that. So hypothetically, if I locked myself in, I was like, I, I got to make sure I get a tight end and we're in round five and I'm like, well, all the good ones that I'd want at this point are gone, but I feel like I really need a tight end. So I'm going to take David Njoku. I would much rather have whatever player was in that tier than reach for somebody that's at a different position. And so I'm so uh, out of sync with what positions where I really couldn't care less. So I definitely don't. I, I'll go back to what you just said there, reach. I never reach in a startup mm-hmm. either. It, to me, it's I'm talking about like a tier of like you're talking about a couple players. If it's that, super duper close. It's yeah. close. I'm yeah, talking, I hear you. I usually talk about a, about a five to six player differential is what I like to stay within mm-hmm. um, when I'm looking at my players on there. Yeah, I have no issue with that. Because, again, and sometimes my rankings don't really ne- necessarily reflect how I would go about my my draft. That's where I have them ranked as overall players. But there may be a player, like, I might have T.Y. Hillen ranked at a certain place, but, like, I'm not drafting T.Y. Hillen. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you, mentioned, you guys mentioned, like, you don't ty- like Tyreek Hill. So you guys aren't drafting Tyreek Hill. Right. Um, But for me, I love to come out of a startup, like, with – and again, we're talking, we're at the top end of this here with 
early three picks, like I want to get really two good young stud receivers too. Like I'd love to come out there with like DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, something like Mike Williams. Like to me, my my ideal startup draft would love like if you go to the back end, like right around pick eight, if you can get a guy like, like Michael Thomas there, come back with Stephon Diggs in the second round, and then come back in the third round with Mike Williams. To me, I walk out of those kind of drafts when that when it actually works out that way. Static. I'm so happy because I'm like, okay, listen, I have my core base here at receiver for the next barn injury, barn some cat- catastrophe for you know six years. Yeah. Now I think and here's where the benefit of that is for me personally. What why I like to do that is because now when everybody else is drafting receivers, and I'll still take best player available in rookie draft. That's not the case, but when everybody else is like looking for that next receiver to get and fill it in, I'm a back end my roster to a guy like, like Sterling Shepard. I can literally now just focus on running backs year in, year out, and not have to worry about, you know, what am I going to do at receiver? What am I going to do at receiver? I'm a receiver short because that can usually be a big hole in your roster when you're a receiver short and you're looking for that guy on there when you're like, dude, I just need to find a receiver. And those are the hard guys to get because there's only a handful, what, 12, 15 guys of quality wide receivers. And I love the safety net of those young receivers. I really do. And, again, I'm letting that draft come to me because if George Kittle is there in the third, the answer to my own question, I wouldn't take George Kittle in the second, but I would definitely take him in the third. That's what, That was going to be my point because, I mean, if you're, if you're picking at the, the back end of the, the second, like you had mentioned, I mean, he's going to be there probably early third. So I would probably I would probably shy away from taking him in the second, but then sw- when he swung back to me at, in the third round, early third, I'd take him. Speaking of tight end, that's a position where I love to come out to with some depth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not one of those guys that would draft George Kittle. I'm like, okay, I don't, have to, I don't have to worry about tight end. Like, you mentioned take best player available. I actually like to come out of a startup draft with two young tight ends. And mm-hmm. I'll actually, like, when I say I don't force pick sometimes, like, sometimes, even though my r- rankings will actually reflect it because I like the tight end more than some other positions, where I'll, like, I'd love to come out of a draft with George Kittle and O.J. Howard. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to come out of a draft with O.J. Howard or George Kittle and Evan Ingram. Because, again, that, that gives me... The way I look at that is it gives me a really good bargaining chip for sure for the future. Cause it is it's such a thin position right now. Right. And you took somebody that somebody was guaranteeing. I, I guarantee you somebody was thinking, Oh, Rich isn't gonna take this guy, he's gonna slip to me, and then you went and you scooped him, you know, two or three picks before somebody. Yeah, and sometimes you can't get like it's hard to get that you that stud player, right? But if you draft right and you have two young stud tight ends, that tight end, the good tight end, like an Evan Ingram can always be the thing that gets it done. You know, like, hey, and you're already good. So you're already at a quality. You know, you got George Kittle. The trade so from good. depth. And I'm still going to draft another tight Then I love to draft the rookie tight ends, late, like in the middle of the round, like late, like, you know, late, like mid-teens there where I'm drafting. I'm loading up on Dawson Knox, Josh Oliver, Kylie Ward. Like, I'm grabbing all those guys. Yeah. I, I love to do that, too. Grab the young tight ends that haven't done anything. Like Mike Kosicki's, I'll grab those guys. But when you're trying to make a trade and – Sometimes we're talking about like overpaying. What looks like an overpay now might be worth it later. Where if I want to get Mike Williams <clears throat> off of somebody, I'm like, hey, I'll give you a receiver. Like, you know, hey, I'll give you Cooper Cup, for example. And I'm like, no, and this this is not a good example. But, well, I'll give you Cooper Cup and Evan Ingram for Mike Williams. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling a huge need in my team. I need a tight Most teams need a tight end. Sure. You look at Dynasty right. Ross, they need a tight end. So, that could be a really good bargaining chip in the future. So I love to come out of a draft with two quality young tight ends. One, one of the things that uh, I think I get 
maybe not the most questions on, but I feel like I get a lot of questions on is trading in a startup draft. How much do you trade in your startup drafts? A lot. Yeah. A lot. I do too. I love to, my, I love to go in there like just now again, I don't usually trade. I don't ever trade in the early rounds, like one and two, hardly ever. Cause the price is just too steep. I think it's a bad maneuver. People that do that. Yeah. They always hate their team at the end. I'm usually the opposite. I'll, I won't trade into it, but if somebody wants to pay a fortune to get into my, into the first round, I'm usually more than willing to, to give up that first round pick. hundred percent willing to give up the first round pick hundred yep. percent. And I'll load up with the second round pick. And I, cause again, Cause you're getting their, their second, third, and probably their fifth and seventh or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, and that, and that hurts them yep. big time. Cause now instead of having say again, at seven, you know, I don't have Michael Thomas, but I get their second. Now I have Amari Cooper and Stefan Dix. Right. You know what I mean? I have both those guys over that. And then I also got his third as well. Cause I have my two seconds. Then I have his third. Then you have two thirds basically. Yeah. Now I'm getting George Kittle and Mike Williams. So now I come out of it with Stefan Diggs, Amari Cooper, George Kittle, and Mike uh, Williams instead of just Mike Thomas, Stefan Diggs, and George Kittle or Michael. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, yeah, I love that maneuver. I think it's, I always think it's a bad maneuver to trade up in the first and second round because the, the price is just so high. Mm-hmm. When it's all said and done, your team is not like you have. Mention that I made a comparison with the sticks. How you know you want to have that good bundle of sticks yeah. that you can't break it. It just gives you really two strong sticks that you could easily break because the rest of your team is usually not as good, right. and you regret it because those middle, that third, fourth, bit, fifth pick, you know, Crucial. those are essential. And that's the thing: the first, the first couple rounds. Me and Matt have talked about this for a couple of years. Where those first couple of picks are easy. I mean, they're 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 good. You play. go off ADP, and you, yeah, it's easy. To you're first three you're rounds, getting a good guy. I mean, no matter what, right? Yeah. It's hard to mess that up unless you take Derrick Henry. It's hard to mess that up <laughs> in the first, those high of rounds, or if you take a running back too high there. But it's it, it's it's funny how ugly the list gets of players real quick starting around the fourth round. You know, you're like, oh, I don't really love anybody here. You know what I mean? When you're into like pick 40, 50, once you get once you get around like player 60, 70, you're like, I like this guy, but like I don't love this guy. That's where I like to start making moves. Move down around, pick up. Like pick, maybe pick up a twenty, like pick up a first round pick the next year. Mm-hmm. Love doing something like that. Like, hey, I'll move back around. Just give me your first next year. I'll give you this pick my first next year. But the players ain't even worth a first. Right. A lot of times, I like to do that. That's where I like to make my moves, and I like to make my moves to move up. Right around because that's where it's and right around the tears. six. Yeah, because right around the sixth round is where it's like worth a first round pick. That's where like those guys now the twenty twenty class is gonna be different. Mm-hmm. But like like a maneuver I did in a startup a little over a year ago. Before the draft started, I did some research to see where this is a super flex league, right? This is where research helps. I did some research to see where Baker Mayfield was going in dynasty startups for Superflex. It was right around the sixth round. So the draft started and I offered everybody in the league a first round pick for their sixth round startup pick. And one per- I literally offered the same trade to everybody in the league. And one person bit. And I got Baker Mayfield for a twenty nineteen first in a dynasty startup. So so we know who run won that trade, but that, I think that six rounds a nice like that's a nice little spot too because that's where you get that first round. So if you can move back into that slot, that's where I like to start moving up to as well because I feel like there's a drop off, you know, right around that six round pick too. So if I can move up into the six and get another player right around that, you know, and give up my seventh and maybe a tenth or something along those lines, I like to do that as well. Well, and something that people are always asking, they're like, so. 
you know, I have the, my, my second round pick, somebody offered me their fourth, their seventh and their eighth. How do I know if that's good value or not? Like they're just all numbers. Like I don't, I don't understand how to gauge if that's good value. So something that I like to do is I like to pull out my, my ADP sheet when I'm getting offered these trades and I match up a player that would roughly be available at that time. So I can kind of make like a little bit of a mock trade of what the players would be in that scenario. So that way it can tell me real quick, that's great value or that's terrible value. And I know real, real quickly if I want to accept that trade or not. Yeah. You should hundred percent be drafted with the ADP chart, like not rankings chart, but an AD, was it both. You should have mm-hmm. your rankings and then you should also have your ADP chart to see mm-hmm. where like, okay. Cause that's the thing. Hey, I love Mike Williams, right? I love him a lot but I'm not going to take him here at two five because I could probably get him at three five. Right. What the ADP, AD, selling me. ADP indicates that he's going to be going a little bit later. Well, I can see, wait. ADP, you could probably almost get him in the fifth. Honestly, well, that's a little late. I'm taking him in the third for me to guarantee. And here's another to guarantee you is if you love a guy, love a guy, always take him around early than the ADP. Right. Always. Cause mm-hmm. don't risk it. Yeah. Don't ever. I mean, like in a Scott fishbowl draft, like I'm getting sniped left and right. I want Jordan Reed so bad. I thought I could wait on him. I was like, I'll just wait one more round. The ADP says I can get him here. And then, boom, he went right before right before I could pick. Well, and and especially sad. in the second I'm half sad. of the draft, like after round 10, like ADP really goes out the pick, window. Pick, just get your guys you pick like. Pick your guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it starts getting ugly, but that's where I like to. So when you get in the later rounds of a startup, you know, we're, so let's get back to the middle. There's middle is where I start to like grabbing some of those vats that people don't like, you know, um, later rounds is where like I'll, I'm willing to grab a guy just for one year, like a Larry Fitzgerald, you know, something that I could start golden Tate is a guy who's going to go really late um, round. I like grabbing those veterans right around the, that hundred, that hundred mark right around round 10 is where I like to start grabbing some of those veterans that are sitting around. Other people are not like, too happy to grab. Right. They're great. I mean, they're great values. It's a perfect way to round out your team, round out your starting roster, you know, your starting lineup for the, you know, this definitely this year, but maybe even next year on a, on a few of those guys. And it just gives you, it gives you some of the, it gives you young guys a little bit of time to mature into their roles and, and really earn their spot in your starting lineup. And then when you get to the middle, which is round 15, round 15, what do you guys like to do there? Is it just literally best player available? Because I like to go high upside. High upside. I'm with all you there. All ceiling. Yep. All ceiling. And and ADP truly after about round 10, 12, ADP just goes out the window. I take the guys that I really like think have the highest ceiling. I'm not even I'm not even really that concerned with it anymore. That's where I start grabbing those young tight ends. Like mm-hmm. I love to load up on those guys and let them just sit on the back end of my roster back out there. You know, a guy like Dawson Knox. Something along those lines. I love grabbing those young, high upside players. I totally agree with you, man. But because by that that point in the draft, you know all the useful running backs are most likely gone. So you're not going to be drafting any of those kind of guys. It's going to be tight ends and wide receivers that have high upside because the quarterbacks are, you know, the quarterbacks are what they are. You know, you, you know whether or not they're going to be fantasy relevant or not. So that's that's really the, the only real positions that jump out at me as as high upside positions. Are and, I, and I like high upside, even veterans. You know what I mean? Like I'll like to grab some guys that I think it helped me for the next either year or maybe two years, right? Like a guy like we mentioned before about Scott Fish, like a guy like Randall Cobb. You know, mm-hmm. he has some nice high upside out there in Dallas. And, you know, right here, if he's a fifth, 15th round pick, if he pans out, you know, great. If he doesn't, who cares? He's a 15th round pick. Or right. he'll, like he'll met, be easy to drop then when it's time to promote a guy in the from your taxi squad in a couple we, of years. I, there's a guy that we did a mock draft, Matt. Like this was like three years ago or so, right around there. And 
I mentioned we had this conversation. Nelson Algalore at the time mm-hmm. was going like the back end of startups. I'm like, and I made the same case. Like, look, this is why you grab Nelson Algalore here because he's a nice upside player. And then you get that one good year out of Algalore. And it's like, okay, he was startable as a wide receiver three. And I got him in around 22. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Along Guys along those lines. Guys that maybe used to have a name that have some upside, either are older or still, even if they're young, that, that, that flamed out. You know, a guy like John Ross, you know, mm-hmm. Where just young enough, yeah, is he probably going to pan out? Probably not. Probably not. But who knows? New who offense, knows? new coach. Is there guys on your list that you scratch off? Everybody has those guys, right? Oh, that you just yeah. scratch off your list. I have a, quite a few of those guys. Definitely. I mean, like you mentioned one earlier, T.Y. Hilton. I'll never have him on my team. I mean, I always say at this point it's limited because he's only going to be in the NFL for a few more years anyway. But Who are some of the – who are – like? I, I agree with you. T.Y. Hilton's the guy on my list. Now, T.Y. Hilton's a quality Yeah, he definitely player. is. Yeah. And I'm with, and I don't even know why. I just don't like T.Y. Hillen. I don't know what it is. He's done nothing wrong to me. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who my guys are. I, I know Henry. I have some. Derrick Henry well, will not yeah, be in Derrick Henry's a good one. <laughs> he's clearly, I, I don't have him in any he's leagues. He's clearly, I, I would never have Derrick Henry in any team. For, I mean, you know, Will Fuller, obviously, when we this guy, this guy's, yeah. we've been bagging on him for years, so he'll never is be Is he out. still a thing? He I don't know. Actually, you know, I'm, I've been doing some uh, dynasty startups and like a lot. I do a lot of drafts, like those best ball drafts, mm-hmm. the draft app. You know, I got mm-hmm. a lot of money in that thing. <laughs> and like Will Fuller consistently goes ahead of Kiki Kuti. It blows my mind. Well, I mean, that's obviously just like a a high upside type of thing. Because, I mean, he does make big plays when available. Uh, but, I mean, his availability when is available. One of, yeah, exactly. Is when the, available. It is the biggest issue. Oh, I wish on our hockeys we had small. We had the thing that smells like cabbage. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, good dropping that in there. Write it down. I'll write that one down there. <laughs> yeah, we need some good hockeys. Uh, well, the, well, we're going to have to have a meeting just on hockeys because right now we don't have a lot of, like, you know, we have. <laughs> that's not even a good enough laugh. Like, we're going to have a laugh. That's, yeah. not ex- that's a sitcom laugh. I was going to say, that's Seinfeld right there, isn't yep. it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come on. Those people are dead, you know, like. I don't know what that is. What was that? I don't know, what was it? Oh, oh. That, oh, the old good joke. That's built for me. <laughs> hey guys, hey guys, Josh Gordon loves to get high. <laughs> hey, Derrick Henry's not good. You shouldn't draft him in the first round because he's a turd. Wow, wow, I'm really laying those Killing out there. It. Right? There's a oh. ton of people out there right now that are really happy we got that hotkey. Well, I'm happy we got the hotkey. <laughs> Is there any other players you guys hate before we get into Superflex? We had a hater episode. Now, obviously, this is actually, we're going to be able to put like all this to the test when our mock draft tool comes out. Yeah. We'll actually go through the motions here and kind of explain why we take these players here and why, what we're doing. Because a lot of times, it's it's also thinking ahead, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to do this here because I know I can get this kind of player here. Like when it, when it comes close, we mentioned earlier where it's like close for a player, like, okay, I'm going to take the tight end here because I know I can get the receiver I want. Like, I know I can get Sterling Shepard here in the seventh, right? Like yeah. I have a really good feeling where all these receivers ahead of him, like why receiver, like Sterling Shepard's my wide receiver three, three. Like I would love that on my team is Shepard is my number three. So I'm a load up in the meantime at positions. One we didn't talk about here before we get into super flex is the quarterback position. This is a pretty hot topic as well. I get it a lot. Where do you take your quarterback in a one QB PPR league? Where's the where's the first spot you take him? I answered. <sighs> I just got a question like this on Twitter, and I said usually it's the sixth round. That's where I always start to look, but a lot of times I honestly wait till about the eighth. I was gonna say closer to ten for me. Like I really kind of let him drop to me. I don't really. 
Yeah, I'm I'm usually in the same boat. I'm usually waiting forever unless I've, I've been drafting with a couple people lately that like there's a lot of really, really smart people and they're all also all waiting. And at some point you look at a specific quarterback in a specific case and you're like, that's just way too good a value to, to, to fade it one more time. You know, if you're getting Aaron Rodgers in the seventh round. Oh, see, he wouldn't even, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be, I wouldn't know. He's too old for me. Oh, really? You wouldn't even touch him? Wouldn't have my quarterback. I got at least five years. In a startup draft, one QB, and we'll talk about this in Super Flex too. I want my quarterback. Again, that's a position I want to, my old I talk about all the time. I've had Drew Reese as my quarterback for 16 years. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a huge bonus to having a quality quarterback that's young. Because in your rookie draft, you're never reaching for a quarterback ever, and you're always grabbing them position, positional players. If that said young quarterback works out. If it works out. Well, I like to grab a guy like, so when I say the six, like, it's Baker Mayfield. It's Pat Mahomes, it's Andrew Luck, it's Deshaun Watson. If one of those guys are on the board in the six, right around there, then I might, I'd right. probably pull the trigger, you know. And then right around like the eighth, ninth round, then now I'm looking at guys like okay, Mitch Trubisky, young, you know. I, I like to come away with my starting guy to be a young quality quarterback. Like I, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm watching those guys fall off the board and I'm targeting a couple guys that I want. And then I'm backing them up with another guy too. That has some upside, like a Josh Allen later in the draft. And I'm just, I'm okay. Getting a, an older vet guy. I'm with you. I'm yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm, I, I'd be totally cool getting Aaron Rodgers Cause for me, he's not for a quarterback. He's not super old. Five years is a long time. He's not to get his replacement. He's not like, I don't want to say he, I don't, when I said he's old, he's too old for me. He's too old for me to take high. Let me put it that way. For me, sure. like, and that's uh, just where he would go. Like, I wouldn't be. Interested. You wouldn't touch him. I would be. I would be cool getting other guys and Philip Rivers. Yeah, exactly. Waiting for like the tenth round, and I'd be fine getting Philip Rivers, or Tom Brady, somebody. Ben I mean, Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. Any one of those. Matt Ryan. One of those guys is going to drop to me. I'm fine getting them, and then just going ahead and drafting a guy. Funny joke, Matt. Funny joke. No, see, I did, I, which I'm okay with which, which, which part was a joke? Taking the old guys high. No, it's to me. Because <laughs> I said hi. It hit it. <laughs> so, so for me, um, where am I thinking? You got me. You got me. You got me. You got me. Got me. You got me. Got me. So, um. I'm looking at receiver, like the quarterbacks here that are. We got some work to do with these hotkeys. <laughs> we do. It's a, it's, it's a transitional process. It really yeah, you is. call me Mrs. Yeah, Miss Elliot, too. I'm just looking at a guy where, like, I want to get a nice young guy, but then I like to, I don't see come away with two young guys, but those guys like that, like Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, I know they're going to be available late. And I wouldn't mind grabbing those guys down the road either. And that's why I'm almost okay waiting. You know what I mean? Like, get another guy in the sixth, seventh, eighth round that is going to help you for the long term. And because, I mean, in a rookie draft, you're not going to be able to draft a a decent wide receiver that high, but you can get him there in the the sixth, seventh, eighth round. You can get a quarterback in a rookie draft late second, you know, early third sometimes, or even middle of the third, depending on the the rookie draft. So That's true. You can just just load up the next few years until you finally get your guy. That's your long-term solution. If I could just get a guy, though, that I feel is going to be a difference maker, like a a consistent top eight quarterback, like a consistent one, one that I believe, obviously not that you don't know anything, but the Mm -hmm. one that I believe in, too. You know, like the guys I mentioned before are the guys that I believe in. You know, like that Carson Wentz is up there in that kind of... uh, He's a little bit too gay. He's a little bit too much of an injury risk. That's why he falls back for me on that one. I think Pat Mahomes is a guy that's a good example because I I would reach for him. 
and, and take yeah. him early. I think he's one of the one of the exceptions. But what's early, that's that's the question. What's early for it? To me, it's six. That's the sixth round. Like if Pat Mahomes there in the six, like okay, I'll, I'd take Pat Mahomes here. Okay. If Baker's there in the six, I'd be like, okay. I think those are literally the only two quarterbacks I would take in the sixth round are Baker in a, in a one QB league. I, I think we talked about Mahomes last week or two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I think we were in in agreements. We would probably t- be willing to take Mahomes quite a bit higher. So I I think like mid round three if he's still there, which most drafts he's not. I, I would be willing to consider him depending who's on the board. Oh, so that's wait. I would never do that. I would never take it. No matter even Baker, who I love more than anything, I would not take in a, in a one QB league in the third round. There's just too many. Again, I'd rather have Mike Williams 10 out of 10 times. I would. I just want that young yeah. receiver. See, like Matt said, Mahomes. you can get the quarterbacks too easy later. Sure. And that di- I don't think the differential between Baker and say Carson Wentz or, you know, someone on those lines is going to be that drastic enough for me to worry about it this was two weeks ago and we did say you know mm-hmm. back end of the second round was probably where i would take him you said third and it was it was the differential that was the biggest thing because pat mahone's i mean he's he scored like 80 points more than the next closest guy so, so it that, depends on how viable you think he's going to like is, is he going to continue to be pretty close to that guy or no is is where you're is he going to level off right yeah. right right well oh. let's level off this and move on to Superflex tight end premium and then we'll end this, wrap this show up real quick. Most of everything we said kind of carries over here into this yeah. draft too. Now, obviously the big difference here is the quarterbacks and tight ends. They get a huge boost. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks, super flex, tight end premium. Are you dead set coming out of the first two rounds with a quarterback? I won't say the first because it depends on who's there. Are you dead set coming on the first two rounds with a quarterback, Garrett? Pretty close to dead set. I mean, it would have to be crazy value for me to not take a quarterback in the first two. Matt. Yes, definitely. It's same answer as him. I mean, it would. It obviously depends on the runs. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that was your chance. I was really waiting for something there. It depends on how the how the draft is going and if there's a run on a certain position or or the you know specifically quarterback. But uh, yes, I mean the chances of me not coming away w- with at least one quarterback in the first two rounds is pretty low. Okay, yeah, I agree too. I am for sure coming out of those draft. Most it depends on like you said, it'd be crazy value like mm-hmm. of a guy slipped in the second round. Um, but for super flex tight end premium, I have to come away with a young quarterback, at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's and, you, and to get one of those guys, you have to take one in the first two rounds because Pat Mahomes is going top three. Yep. Sean Watson's going to go late first to early second. Baker and Luck Baker's in the same going zone. Late first, early second. Andrew Luck the same. Carson right. Wentz can fall in that category as well for some people in the in those eyes. And I like to my strategy is. Superflex tight end premium is the complete opposite of PPR. I actually want two young quality quarterbacks, like two young, decent quarterbacks. Like my ideal situation would be come out of that with, you know, one of the guys we just mentioned and then a Mitch Trubisky, a Josh Allen, mm-hmm. a Sam, you know. Are you talking about in your first two picks? That's no, what no, you're looking for? In, out of the draft. Out of the draft, whole, period. Total. Okay. So, so you're probably looking at fourth or fifth round yeah, for that's right. my second quarterback. Right. Yeah, so I'm looking at right around the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Sixth round, the latest to that's get my the, second quarterback. That's the most interesting part about the super flex, whereas I feel like the one QB, it's very standard how things go. Like, there's not a ton of surprises. 
I've seen super flex leagues where there's 18 quarterbacks off the board in the first 25 picks. I've seen that. And then I've seen other ones where in the first three rounds, there's only like four off the board. And so it's, it's tough to say like dead set. That's why you really got to be able to think ahead, go with where your draft's going because you don't want to take uh, lose value because you jumped way ahead of everybody else or you waited too long and all of a sudden you don't have a second quarterback. So you really got to be pretty flexible with that because um, it, it varies a lot in those super flex leagues. And those are tight end premium usually too. So there's yeah. the tight ends you got to worry about as well because you need that. It's also just as slim. Like I would love to have, like I would take Baker personally. Um, I was my, I have him ranked as my third overall player in a super flex startup. And I think I have him at 10. I'm up there pretty high. A lot of people have that high, but yeah. I believe in Baker a ton. And I believe, I've had Mahomes my number two overall player. So if I have a top three pick, I'm taking Baker or Mahomes or Swan Barkley. And I'm going to let the rest of the draft just fall to me. In the second round, I'll get my quality young receiver. In the third round, I'll get my quality young receiver or tight end. Well, and you can you can do that because these kind of leagues that affords that because so many of the, the quarterbacks get pushed up ahead that you're still getting really great players. It's just kind of the order in which you're going to get those, those really great players is just different. You see the running backs where they start to slip a lot. Like you see a guy like Sony Michelle really start to slip a guy like Leonard Fournette really start to slip back in these drafts normally because you're taking other players. Where do you say, where do you think? So I mentioned I'm taking my second quarterback probably right around anywhere from rounds four to six is where I'm for sure going to grab one of those guys a hundred percent. And it all depends on the runs. Cause I I'll know, a guy who that I'm going to want to have, like there's a tier that I'm going to have underlined. And when those guys start to go and I get close to like five guys left in that tier, I'm going to take one of my guys. Like I'm getting one of those, another young guys and I'll come back later if I have to and get like a risk guy, like a Josh Rosen, even after that. What about the tight end position in a, in a tight end premium league? Where are you guys looking at that? And who's on your board? Who's off your board? Like, are you, well, I mentioned earlier, like I wouldn't take Travis Kelsey at 29, all those surgeries, like I'm not, he's going to go really high in a super flex tight end premium. But for me, I'm not looking that way. I'm looking at just how I mentioned, I like to get, come away with two young tight ends in a regular league. I like to overdo it in a tight end premium league. Like I like to come away with four decent tight ends in a tight end premium league. Cause again, I feel like they're really, really good bargaining chips. Definitely when you've already hoarded four of them, like I'm okay in a super flex tight end premium, that's a league where I really fade running backs and I fade them hard because I'm gonna just gonna roll through there and get quality players elsewhere at receiver, quarterback, and tight end. And I'm just gonna grab running back when there's value. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm okay with like those PPR guys. Like, okay, I'll sit here with like Tariq Cohen, Duke Johnson, Naheem Hines, you know, guys like that. I'm yeah. okay with that because I'm gonna make it up elsewhere. And then I'm gonna draft running backs as in the say, and they draft in the draft those running backs slide all the time in those in those super flex tight end premium drafts so yeah. it's it's super easy to get those guys in drafts that's where i was going with because of rookie drafts tight end super flex premium leagues they that's where there's value because those guys slip all the time because the quarterbacks always go early mm-hmm. super early i mean that year when it was sam darnold josh rose and josh allen lamar jackson baker I mean, I was in a draft and went Saquon, and then it literally went four quarterbacks in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's value at the running back. Value when you're getting guys quality in the second round. So, to me, it just makes sense to fade running backs in the super flex tight end premium leagues. It just does. I like to for sure come away. I would love, like, if I had picked 12 and he was there, like, I come away with, like, 
Deshaun Watson, uh, Andrew Luck, and then George Kittle. Like, I want to get one. I try to grab a tight end, a quality tight end early, because I don't want to have to worry about it. And then... To be scrambling. Scramble yeah. later. So, Force it, all that, all that kind of bad, all those bad habits. Like, I want to come away with George Kittle. I want to come away with Zach Ertz. I want to come away with Evan Ingram. I want to come away with OJ Howard. And then I want to make sure I get guys that I like, like, for long-term down the road that... Might not go as high, but I might. These are guys I would take a little bit earlier than ADP. Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. You know, those two guys mm-hmm. would be premium examples. Of guys that I would have to have on my roster, and I would take a, a round early. And I want again, again, I want to come out with like four of those guys. Like I would Chris, love to come out Chris with Chris like, Herndon. One of, I mean, Ian Thomas. All those kind of guys that are, are really high upside guys. Those are guys I like to load up on. Those guys, those upside at tight end position that have youth and can give me some value down the road. Yeah, I I agree with part of what you said. I actually don't tend to draft uh, tight ends early, even in tight end premium. Not that I wouldn't be willing to. They just always seem to go a little bit higher than I'm willing to pay. Uh, however, I do like to come away with a bunch of upside guys. So I'll I'll have no problem coming away from a draft with you know Austin Hooper as my starter, but then the rest of the guys are you know Ian Thomas, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, like those those guys. I'll. I'll load up on a bunch of those guys. And even some of the rookies, the Josh Olivers, Sternbergers, you know, warring those guys. See, Hooper falls a category of me of like, that's my quality number two that mm-hmm. I grabbed, you know, like in the fifth round, you know, an, an Austin Hooper where a 24 year old tight end, that's could be the number two, number three target on a nice offense with a good quarterback, good running game. So Hooper falls in a category that I mentioned is my good number. Like he's your starter. Mm-hmm. He'd be my quality number two, because again, in that extra flex spot, I have no problem starting a tight end. Sure. We're getting those extra PPR points and everything's at a premium for him. Matt, what do you do at tight end? No, I, I'd like to take him early. Uh, I'm very similar to you in that respect. I think, I think, you know, we, we both, we both probably overvalue tight ends in normal leagues and, and that kind of carries over into super flex for me as well. Yeah. Like George, I would, I would like, I would love, I would to, love get to get those, George yeah. Kittle in a startup, you know, because again, oh, yeah. when you're looking at a startup, right? Like when you already have your league going, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey and a tight end premium league, those guys are gold. And for me, I want to come away with like those guys are like Zach Ertz is okay, but again, Kelsey is a little bit too old for where he's going to go in tight end premium. So like George Kittle me is like the Mecca of tight ends. And then to me after that, like I would have like Travis Kelsey, not off my list, but I just know he's going to go too high for me where I'm going to take him. Then I feel like if I missed out on Kittle, then in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I have to get either Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz or OJ Howard. Hunter, or Hunter, Hunter Henry, Henry. You know yeah, I mean? probably probably the fourth one in that group. Those, yeah, those are guys that I I have like I'm literally saying I have to get one of those guys like mm-hmm. no matter what. And then that's where sometimes it's a one part of my draft strategy where like you said like I'm always going best player available where I'll reach mm-hmm. a little bit and I'll suffer because I always I'm also confident in my ability where I can make up for it with flyers at the end. You know, and just or just the next round, the very next round. Like there be the I know okay, I know there'll be a receiver I can get. Maybe not as good as this guy, but pretty damn close. You know what I mean? Good? It's it's definitely one of those things where you I I'm with you on that. You have to almost overreach, but to me it's not an overreach because my like you said earlier, my rankings would reflect it. You sure. know what I mean? Those guys would be up there higher to begin with so I, i'm not necessarily reaching from a tight end 
premium standpoint. Like those guys, those guys should be pushed up. They, they deserve to be pushed up. They're going to be scoring more points. You can put more than one in, in a starting roster spot. So it's, it's just, a, it's just a good strategy. I think is, is to go out and get those guys. And you, I mean, you said you, you, you end up uh, Garrett end up, you know, missing out on some of those guys because you're not willing to pay that price sure. to me. That's the price of doing business in these leagues. And, and I, I feel obligated to go out and get those guys. Yeah, I don't want to miss out on those guys. Right. I did, to me, in a tight end premium, if you don't have those tight ends, to me, that's a massive hole on your roster. Like, Matt, it's almost like it's almost like having one QB in a super flex. You and then, know what I mean? I, look at, I literally look at it the same way. It's and then like you're constantly QB. chasing it. You're constantly chasing it, trying to get a tight end in the rookie draft. You're trying to make a trade. You're overpaying in trades trying to get a guy. So, it, to me, it's... It's worth the squeeze to just go out and, and quote unquote overpay or just get them where I think you should get them. I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of you. You made a good point there, man. Like where you don't want to put yourself in a, a spot a spot where you're reaching and you are overpaying. And to me, in a regular PPR league, that's a young receiver, right? Those are the young receivers are the guys that that's the gold mine right there that you have to overpay for. In a tight end premium league, not only do you have the young receivers, but then you have the young quarterbacks and the tight ends. We mentioned earlier that it's such a small group right now of those players. TJ Hawkinson would fall in that category of a guy who I'd have like he'd he'd be my number two guy that I would target for like long term. No offense would be a nice right, example of that too, right. but like that would take a little bit higher maybe than ADP. But again, I don't like Matt said, I don't want to be in a hole where now all of a sudden the player I did draft here, I'm gonna trade away for a player that was drafted two rounds after. Because sure. now I have a hole. And then what am I going to do? Because I have a hole. He's a, this is a guy only willing to trade with me. So now I have to make a trade because I have a championship contending team, but I need a tight end. And I can't take a rookie tight end now because they take three years to develop. That goes right back to the rookie draft. What we were talking about before is, okay, I can plug and play running backs. You're not plug and play in tight end. Mm-mm. And in tight end premium league, that's literally the one position you're never really plugging and playing is tight end. Like it usually takes two to three years at best for these guys to develop. So if you leave yourself a hole there, you're almost saying, well, I'm going to compete in two to three years. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. I think to me, I think you can get consistency from, you know, the Austin Hoopers of the world in that range enough to be fine. And then I'm taking all of the upside tight end. So I'm taking as many of those guys as I can. And then because George Kittle was that guy last year, you know, so, I mean, you can find those guys. It's, and, and honestly, most of the guys that we're looking at in these drafts, most of the guys that have become the big name tight ends have actually been like second, third, fourth round guys that have been drafted in real life. So I think I think we'll continue to see some players emerge. So I'm not overly worried that I'm going to be too far behind the eight ball as long as I have a steady have starter. Hooper, you're saying right, yeah. As long as I have Hooper and and he could become one of those guys even. But that's the thing. I value him pretty high too. Though. So that's yeah. a, that's a, that's like we're still close because you're like okay. I'm the worst case. I'm coming out here with is with like a guy like Austin Hooper. Right, and to me, right. like, yeah, I'd be okay with that too. Cause I like Hooper a lot as well. Yeah. And I, just I do like Hunter higher. Henry a lot too. I have gone slightly out of my strategy to get him at times. Cause I do like Hunter Henry a lot. So there you have it. Some broad uh, topics here and dynasty startup strategy and league structure here, super flex and PPR leagues. Once we do our mock draft again, I think that's going to be a little bit like kind of help, put these into effect because we'll do a couple of it. We'll do a super flex and then we'll do a regular PPR one and see what we come up with. I'm definitely looking forward to those. We'll, and we'll debate oh, yeah. it out and the mock draft tool will be up soon and then you'll get that live ADP. We can't wait. In the meantime, if you want to uh, support the site, the best way to do that is join the nerd herd for the price of a cup of coffee once a month. 
you get four extra podcasts. You can get my rankings. You can get Garrett's rankings. You get Matt's ranking. You can get all our writers' rankings. We have IDP, Superflex, Tight End Premium, PPR, Standard. We have the Buy Sell Tool, which is a great tool because we're going to tell you the players we like to buy and we think you should sell and the players you should hold. And it can give you a nice list of the top ones and the bottom ones there. All for the price of a cup of coffee. That's it. So Buy cheap. me one cup of coffee yeah. once a month. I did a guest spot on uh, uh, the summit, the fantasy summit mm. uh, this week. And he said, man, I can't believe how cheap your guys membership is. And I told him, I was like, I just want to, I want to include everybody. Like, I don't want to give make push anybody out because the price is too much a year. If you can't afford to buy us a cup of coffee, then well, then we just can't be friends. I'm sorry. We just can't be friends. <laughs> we can continue to communicate. Yeah. I, if you could just, if I say you can get, listen to us for four extra hours a month for the price of a cup of coffee, you're out there, you're gardening in this heat, and like you're like, you can't bear it. It just sucks. Well, all of a sudden you put in the Dyson Nerds podcast, and that pool knows we just got a little bit more pleasant. You know, you're talking dingleberries, doo doo butter, <laughs> all kinds of things, sweat dripping down that draws. <laughs> you got it all. All for the price of a cup of coffee. That's all it costs. Join the Nerd Herd. You can hang out with us more often and get all our sweet content for free. Not well, it wouldn't be free, but it'd be the price of a cup of coffee. In the meantime, if you want to talk dynasty or fantasy football or sweat dripping down your draws, hit me up on Twitter at Dynasty Rich. I'm at Dynasty Matt. I'm at Dynasty Price. We'll see how these hockey goes. We'll get them. Wait, we're gonna get them worked out, right? We're gonna get them. So we'll figure out these hockeys. We'll get them right where we need to be, get all these people laughing at Matt out of these funny jokes. <laughs> we get, when Matt tells something really funny, we'll be like, these are all just standard hockeys we, we got in here, of we're, course. We're going to work with them. And, uh, you know, every time I get put Matt back in his place, you know, let's give him the classic, you know. <laughs> got he. <laughs> got he. You know, that will never get old for me. Never get old Never? No. Maybe it will eventually. I was going to say. We'll work all this out. So we'll be back for the Nerd episode. Now we're going to talk about players that we think you should sell high on. All for the Nerd Herd members. Nice. Ready, set, Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to check us out at DynastyNerds.com for up-to-date Dynasty insight. And follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Nerds.